Hey, DTC pod, it's time to let your customers enjoy the products they love without the friction of reordering. That's why the world's most innovative brands like Pete's Coffee and Il Maquillage rely on order group subscriptions to build long lasting customer relationships and recurring revenue. Easy to manage and seamless for shoppers, Order Groove comes with the tools your business needs to become the next big subscription success story. Visit ordergroove.com slash DTCpod today to receive two months off your first contract. Again, that's ordergroove.com slash DTCpod. Also, are you curious on how much your business is worth? Get your free no obligation offer from Open Store at open.store. I'm curious, Ariel. So, you know, you're working in the influencer side of things at Olipop. You were in the CX side as well. You were running both of those at the same time as well. And so, did you start full CX? Were you just doing CX, then the influencer layer? got on top. Can you walk us through, you know, the very beginning? How did that go? Yeah. When I started at Olipop, I was doing part-time. I was just a part-time employee doing CX with them and kind of picking up some of the administrative tasks for my colleague, Steven, who was kind of managing the influencer stuff at the time. Over time, it, it definitely grew into me managing a lot more of the influencer-related tasks, leading campaigns, doing a lot of that gifting kind of fun stuff like that and also doing CX at the same time. And recently I I finally kind of made that transition into doing influencer full-time, which has been super, super fun, but there's so much intersection between the, the two kind of positions. So it wasn't too much of a, you know, I really didn't have to switch my brain off in different places going back and forth between the positions because there is so much where they overlap. What did your transition into the role look like? And now as the, you know, the head influencer coordinator, what are you responsible for? I think my transition was pretty seamless. I was already managing a lot of the things that I'm I'm working on now. I think the transition was really great just because it allowed me a lot more time to put full focus and priority into things that I was kind of juggling before a little bit more. So now that I'm doing this kind of full time, I am able to dedicate a lot more time and energy to our affiliate program, which is awesome. I really want to make that a priority for us this year and really grow that community and expand that community. And that's just something that I I was managing it before, but I didn't have the time and energy to, you know, make it the best that it could be. So that's something that I'm working on for this year that I'm super duper excited about. Some other fun things that I do, uh, we work with a a variety of different agencies for different purposes, podcasts, TV, movie, different influencer agencies, different influencer managers for different activations. So I get to kind of interact with all of those agencies and make sure everyone has what they need, whether it's they need products, they need a code, they need a link, they need content approvals all that kind of stuff. I I get to interact with them and it's a lot of fun. Amazing. So you covered a lot of different responsibilities. So maybe we can start a little bit narrow and we can kind of go through one by one and, and talk through what each of these entails. So I know you mentioned working specifically with influencers, right? So what did that look like in the early days for Olipop? What were some of the 
you know, campaigns that you guys launched and how did, what was your general approach to launching a successful influencer campaign? And maybe you can even give a specific example. Yeah. So Olipop started in 2018 and at the time we just, we didn't see the value in influencer and we didn't have the budget for it. So for most of the beginning of the brand, our influencer campaigns were gifting and seeding campaigns, meeting people at events and gifting them product and just sharing the product, sharing the the brand and raising brand awareness. In October, 2020, we started doing formal paid influencer campaigns. And we realized like, holy cow, this is the thing. And influencer is our biggest awareness driver. And since then, so it's for me, like, it's always amazing to hear that, you know, for the first almost two years, the brand, there weren't really any paid influencer campaigns happening. I think a lot of people like, not to toot my own horn at all. But a lot of times when I talk to people, they say, wow, like I see Olipop everywhere. Like, how are you doing that? And I just like knowing your audience and who listens to your podcast, I would never want a baby brand, a brand that's just starting out and a founder to listen to this and say, wow, like it's my day two. Why am I not at that level yet? This didn't start where it is now. This is like the big snowball of, of what it started as. It started as like a little snowflake and it's become a big, much bigger snowball. So it's definitely grown a lot. And obviously the business has grown. And we've been very fortunate in that we're able to put spend behind influencers and test things out and see what drives clicks and what drives awareness. I'm curious. So as that has snowballed initially in the very beginning, Maybe not everyone that you guys were reaching out to was aware of what Olipop was. And maybe there was not, not even that much, that many inbound requests. How has that changed the dynamic? You know, are you guys now activating, you know, has that snowball effect created more inbound from influencers? And so it makes it easier to scale. Or are you guys doing mostly outreach looking for a very specific kind of influencer? Because you guys have a very unique brand and I'm sure that that person really has to appeal that brand. Yeah, I think... We get a lot, a lot of inbound. Obviously, not all of it is legit. Obviously, not all of it is people we want to work with or who are good fits for the brand. And sometimes, you know, just because we get a lot of good inbound does not mean that it's not just people who want free product. (laughs) I think that's important to note. But it's definitely, for us, I think what we look for is like, and I think that we're a little bit different in how we do our influencer marketing because when we work with influencers, we don't give people a script. I think that's as a customer, when I see someone reading like the script of like, here is the product. I like the product. It is so good. You're like snooze fest. That sucks. That sucks to watch. So for us, like as a brand, we don't give people a script. We give people, you know, here's information about the brand. Here's what you could say, but we want you to talk about what is the most impactful to you as a consumer of the product. The biggest thing that we look for when we're working with new people is, does this person know about the product? Have they tried the product? Do they like the product? Because then it's going to come across just so much more genuine and so much more real. And so we have people and we want them to talk more about how the product works for them. Does it, is it getting them fiber? Is it replacing a soda for them? Is it a healthy treat that they switch to instead of drinking wine? we're trying to lean a lot more into this kind of storytelling aspect and into more of this, you know, genuine stories about why the product is making a difference for people. 
Yeah, that's super interesting. I think, you know, having influencers campaign acts sort of more as like themes rather than direct scripts makes the process a lot more fun. With our customers, we give them these content packages that are pretty much like themes and ideas, but they're not scripts or anything like that because of the exact same thing you mentioned. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing that really stands out about how you approach it is it almost seems like you're approaching it like influencer success, right? You're building the materials and you're making sure they have the key ingredients so that they can create their own content in a really successful way, as opposed to just, you know, trying to micromanage their every move and getting them to tell a story that isn't really true to their brand, right? Well, I think at the end of the day too, the creators and the influencers know best what their audience is going to respond and react to. You know, this isn't their first time doing a partnership. They know what their audience is going to purchase. They know what their audience is going to be excited about. We've had conversations with people where I've said to them like, hey, we want to use this content that you've created on our pages, but I totally understand if it doesn't work out for your page. If it doesn't fit with your page and your audience, that's going to be weird. And that's how you lose your audience's trust is by posting things that you think, oh, my audience isn't going to like this. Like, that's just how it is. And at the end of the day, like, that's the biggest thing, obviously, that we measure in this industry is your engagement rate, your audience reality, like the realness of your audience. So if your audience isn't engaged, and you're posting just constantly like stuff that they don't care about, nobody's going to want to work with you. And if you have influencer overlapping with CX, do you also have influencer overlapping with the creative department? Yeah. So I work really closely with our creative team. I work really closely with our head of social and our graphic designer and our copywriter. I mean, we all are pretty much, we all like each other genuinely. So it's easy for us to be in contact all the time. I also work super closely with our website developer because people will reach out to us on the DMs and say, Hey, like this part of your website isn't working or this part of your website is really difficult. And I'll give her that feedback all the time. Or I'll say like, Hey, like, we're doing this activation. Like, is there any way we could do this on the website for it? So our team is all super, super close and we all work really closely together. I source content creators for our page and our head of social will send people my way and say like, Hey, this might be a cool influencer you want to work with. This might be a cool company we want to do a partnership with. Like we are super close and we do a lot of, a lot of collaborations together for sure. Talking a little bit about scale, right? Because there's all these different types. You have like the mega influencers who have massive audiences. And then on the other side of the coin, maybe you have smaller content creators who can create exceptional content. So how does Olipop and how do you think about that mix or blend between mega influencers, distribution, brand awareness versus smaller different content creators and the type of content they can help you guys generate for the brand? Well, I think like everyone has their strong suits. I think if you're if you're like this amazing, amazing graphic artist and you're like, I have this cool thing I could do for the brand and we want to work with you, I'm not going to say to you like, okay, here's your link and your swipe up, like post these Insta stories because that's not going to perform well, right? So I think a big thing of being a brand is like, you can't expect everything from everybody and you can't expect every content creator to that you work with to fulfill every single one of your needs. There are going to be people who will have different target markets. There are going to be people of different interests. Like you're not going to ask like a fitness influencer to, I don't know, post a recipe. Like that would be a little bit weird. You would go to a food influencer for that. So I think it's just playing to people's strengths. And that's something that's super important for me 
when I'm having these conversations and seeing, oh, hey, could we do a partnership? How would that partnership look? I want to ask people like, what are your goals? What do you feel like you're the best at? Because if you feel like you're the best at something, that's what I want to work with you on. A hundred percent. And I guess my next question would be, what's kind of the North Star for Olipop in terms of like your target audience that you're trying to reach? And then how do you work backwards through in, through whether it's influencers or affiliates to reach that said audience? We have always been a very like bi-coastal brand. We obviously got our start, like I said, in Oakland and Air One in California was one of our biggest stores when we launched. And as we've grown, we've we've had this kind of struggle of trying to change from being that New York, LA specific brand and just appealing to a wider demographic of people, especially as we expand our retail profiles. So like this year, officially, we're in all Target stores across the country. Like if we're only working with LA influencers or New York influencers, well, the Target in Omaha, Nebraska, their sales are not going to be as good. Like that's just how it is. So we're working really hard to work with more people who are honestly just interesting people. We're looking a, like a lot less than when we started, I think, at, oh, how many followers does she have? Like, I look so much at, what's her content like? Is this person someone I'd want to be friends with? Like, I'm a pretty average Joe, I would say. Like, I'm not buying $30 smoothies at Erewhon. Like, I'm the target shopper. I'm the consumer. Like, when I'm looking at influencers, I'm like, would I follow this person? Would I find value from this person? That's my biggest thing, especially as we work to expand and kind of broaden our audience. We're um, launching this week in all public stores in Florida. So you guys, Miami boys, got to get over there to Publix and stock up. Very exciting news for you. But that's also like another big area for us is like, we haven't really hit Florida as hard as we could. We haven't hit Texas as hard as we could. So just working to find people who are in these like little pockets that are interesting and just kind of saying, I've been saying yes to a lot more stuff. I'm like, oh, you're in Iowa. That's cool. Let's do it. Like, Let's see what happens. I think also having, as you guys have grown and as your product has reached more retail locations, as well as having a big D2C presence, that just opens up the door for you guys to, you know, bring in different types of creators, different types of influencers to target all those new people because there's more places they're going to be able to get your product. The next thing that I wanted to ask, and then Ramon, maybe we can go a little bit more into other types of... I just want to jump in on the retailer for influencers, right? Because a lot of brands that do influencers, you know, want to measure the exact ROI that day, you know, from the post of that influencer and the ROS and everything. And I think I find it really interesting that you guys have a more holistic vision as a brand and a bigger a bigger target and bigger goals that go beyond that because as we've mentioned that you know these sort of roles overlap so does acquiring a customer through influencers you know it's a marketing funnel that you might see it in other areas that aren't as measurable instantly so what's your philosophy behind that because you know if you get influencers in iowa where you say you just got out of target over there you know you might not see that roi that same day yeah that's the trickiest part right like tracking your retail conversions and especially i mean we do po a lot of podcasts then too and tracking podcast spend can also be tricky because you don't know if oh i heard this on the skinny confidential him and her podcast and six months later they're listening to that episode they hear about olipop they go to target they buy it there like 
you have no idea where those people are coming from. So I think that that's definitely a tricky thing. It's a tricky thing for us. It's a tricky thing for all brands is kind of connecting the dots there. But I mean, at the end of the day, like the marketing stuff that we're doing has to help support retail. It's one of our goals. Obviously, like we want people to be coming to us on e-com and subscribing. We want people buying directly from us and we'll do different things that will benefit the e-com specific shopper. We launched a flavor for holiday, which was called blackberry vanilla, which is my favorite flavor. And it's so delicious. And it was an e-com only launch and people were obsessed with it. People were like, I bought nine cases of blackberry vanilla. Like you're crazy. I love it. You know? So it's kind of, it's tough, but you have to find that balance of like, how can we benefit our website the best, but how can we also support our retailers the best as well? I think it also makes it easier to pull the trigger on on a marketing move like that. If at the end of the day, you're a consumer who has probably also bought something that you saw on Instagram one day or on TikTok and randomly then you bought it at the store and just how when you analyze an influencer is this somebody i would follow is when you do something on the marketing front is you know is this something that i would buy this way so not everything needs to be attributed exactly to the penny and the other thing i don't think you're ever going to be able to get like pure pure attribution when when you're bringing in different campaigns like that but the question i'd have ariel is for brands, maybe at slightly an earlier stage who are like more conscious about their cash and like working with different creators to launch content, you know, how did you guys think of those types of campaigns in the early days when maybe you don't have the luxury of saying, oh, you know, we're confident we have a big enough budget behind us where we can have ad spend for the awareness type of stuff, as well as the pure acquisition side. How did you guys think of it in the early stage? And do you have any tips for brands maybe at an earlier stage for how they can successfully launch with influencers? I think that building a community is so important. I think building that community and creating that trust and creating that, just like having a general being friend to people. I want people when they reach out to Olipop, when they DMS, I want them to feel like, oh, like I'm talking to Ariel at Olipop. I want them to feel like they have a connection there. They have a person there. You can accomplish a lot a lot with gifting and seeding. And I don't want brands to be like, oh, Olipop is every, I see their ads all day, Athletic Greens, I see their ads all day. These these big brands, it's not day one for these brands. And I don't want people who are just starting to get discouraged by that because I think that there are so many ways that you can build based on creating a community. And honestly, creating a community is free. Like, Yes, it takes your time, it takes your energy, sure, but dollar spend, not really. Like you can create a, a big, juicy, amazing community with relatively low dollar spend. So I think that that's something that's super important. And I think with Olipop specifically, like what we've done is create this community. And obviously, it started as gifting. And a lot of those people who started out as gifting with us from day one are still still on the train with us. They're still fans of the product. They'll reach out to us and be like, Hey, like, can I get product for my kid's birthday party this weekend? Like, yeah, of course. Sure. I'm going to say yes to that. Of course. Like if you've been on the ride, if you've been on the train this whole time, like at that point, those people are, are your brand evangelists. And it's like, if they want 20 coupons to pass out to their family and friends, I'm going to send them. Like, (laughs) it's pretty easy. Like, I just feel like saying yes a little bit more and seeing where you can kind of stretch yourself and saying like, yeah, okay. Like 
I'll do it. Why not? It's a really, a really great way to do it. I, I had a guy who actually reached out to me on LinkedIn. He said, Hey, like I'm a newer brand founder. Can I send you my product and you'll leave an Amazon review? Like I'll reimburse you for the product. You get to try a new product. I get the Amazon review. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. I'm in it. Like, let's do it. That's a great, I told him like, this is a great way to do this. Like, yes, obviously you probably want the money from the sales, but when you're just starting out, like that's an awesome way to boost your business. Are you interested in DTC and e-commerce content? Join Trend's exclusive community for everything DTC, the DTCers community. We're talking marketing, product, growth, and more all about DTC. Go to trend.io slash podcast. That's T-R-E-N-D dot I-O slash podcast and look for the Slack community link to claim your invite. We hope to see you on there. Yeah, I think that really leaning into your first loyal customers, right? And not, especially at those earlier stages. And like you were saying, just be a human. Do the things that don't scale at the early stages because those are going to be the people who will be your biggest brand evangelists. And so that's really cool. I think that that's kind of the lens from CX that you bring because when I'm sure when you were starting CX, it was like you were just talking to other people and you were trying to deliver on their promise or on whatever they were asking, give them the best experience there. And recognizing that, it seems like that philosophy has really moved through the organization as you guys have continued to scale. Going back to community, I think that's such an important point. And it's something that a lot of brands want to tap into. Where does your community live now? So I know, like you mentioned, you're still in touch with some of your earlier customers, the people who have been the biggest supporters since day one. But as you started to grow that community, where did that live? And how did you foster that community? You know, you can add all the external platforms in the world. And we have added CRM, management tools, organizational tools. There is nothing that beats an Instagram DM. There is just nothing that beats the Instagram message. Like I have my affiliates and I'll send them an email and then I'll send them a DM saying, hey, just sent you an email, check your email. Like, I just don't think that there's anything that that really beats that Instagram message. Like, it's so easy to drop into people's DMs and just say like, hey, how are you doing? How's it going? Like, <laughs> let's chat. Like, let's be friends. Like, it's so easy to do that. And I think that that's like, a really unappreciated art. And I think that the way that you respond to the stories you get tagged in, the way that you respond to people, like that's what stands out. And there's some brands that do it really, really well. Like I'm a personal fan of Mush, the overnight oats company, and they, I've tagged them a couple of times on my story. And my secret beverage Instagram doesn't say like, oh, I work at Olipop. It doesn't say anything. So they don't know who I am, but I've tagged them a few times. And every time they're like, Ariel, like we hope you're having a beautiful day. And it's like, that's it. That's how you do it. Like it's those things. And like, yeah, those are not scalable things because as the person who lives in the Instagram DM, like sending a beautiful heartfelt message to every single person is not scalable, but if you can do it, you should do it. So the next question I'd ask in regards to community now, as you scale, right, you say it gets harder and harder. One thing I notice about the brand from the outside looking in is you guys do a great job in terms of brand voice and everything in terms of like what you're saying, just be a human, be your friend to to people. But as you guys do scale, as customer relationships get maybe a little bit further from like the one-to-one DM level, how do you guys think about managing and bringing that same level of community and friendliness 
to your brand as you continue to, to scale up? Well, I think for like official communications, our copywriter does an amazing job. But I think that honestly, for the most part, and a big reason why I was originally brought onto the team is is because of my voice. Like the way that I talk and I interact is very similar to the brand and how we want the brand to interact. Like I'm going to send you a, a message that has emojis in it. Like that's just who I am as a person. And that's how the brand is. Like, that's how we want the brand to be. Is like, we want it to feel like you're talking to a friend. And by removing that kind of like hoity-toity, I guess, kind of brand thing, like it sometimes feels like a brand is like talking down to you. And I really don't feel that with Olipop. And I feel like that's just because, you know, that boils down to hiring and who we're bringing on to the team. And are the people that we're bringing on to the team, do they have that same brand voice? Like, are they fun to be around? Like, do they send too many emojis? Like, awesome. That'll probably work for us, you know? That's what I was thinking. You know, it's definitely on the recruiting because, you know, a, a copywriter, well, you know, you can bring in the best person at copy, but do they understand the context behind the brand? And so all of that comes from the top, from the recruiting angle and making sure that everyone that is coming on board, you know, speaks the Olipop language and, and can catch that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think if we had someone come on who was like, emojis, what are those? We'd all be like, go do like data or something. I don't, don't talk to people. I don't know. <laughs> the next question I'd have in, I know you had mentioned that you guys are doing other stuff around other than community, other than influencer, right? You also do a lot of work with PR, affiliates, that sort of stuff. Could you talk to us a little bit about what affiliates entail for a fast growing CPG brand like yourselves? Like what does affiliates mean? Who are you working with? And how do you think about building out different programs in that side of the business? This is a great question because I've, I spent most of January just like mentally trying to wrap my arms around what I wanted the affiliate program to be and what I wanted it to look like. And just like having a lot of like, oh my God, what am I doing? Having breakthroughs, like in the most inconvenient, like driving, being like, I need to write this down. But for us, we've kind of transferred our affiliate program over um, and I've kind of split it up a little bit more. So we have our, we have a program for like editorial affiliates, PR affiliates, and like coupon site affiliates. So like the BuzzFeeds, the Rakutins, the Honeys, I have a program for them separately. They're not going to be creating content for us. They're not going to be posting on Instagram and needing product and talking about the brand regularly. So I set up a program for them. I put them in their space over there. And then for our influencers who are amazing ambassadors for the brand, who genuinely love the product, use it constantly and share it with their audiences, I created a program for them so that we could be able to see all their content, so that I could be able to interact with them whenever I want, so that I could be able to send them an email and say, hey, like, you're crushing it. You're doing an amazing job. Like, let's up your code this week. Like, let's make your commission higher this week. Let's make your discount code higher for your audience this week. I really just wanted to be able to give our influencer ambassadors more attention and special kind of handholding and so being able to separate out the two into two different spaces and programs has just been such a relief for me because I can really look at the people that I want to give the attention to and give them that attention and, and have those more personal conversations with them. It's been really well received so far. I mean, it's pretty fresh that, like I said, January that I've 
really gotten to separate these two out and, and dig deeper. But I think it's been going well so far. I know like affiliate is can be a very ambiguous term. So for us, like people ask, oh, do you have an affiliate program? And for me, I'm kind of like a little protective of it. I'm like, you haven't really worked with us before. You haven't been a fan of the brand or sharing the brand for a long time. Like, I don't want to bring you into this space. I want this space to feel like it's true. People who are passionate about the brand, people who have who use the product every single day. And I think that that's something that's so ambiguous about the influencer space is just how these terms that kind of get thrown around that really don't mean anything. People ask us, oh, can I be an ambassador? And it's like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, do you want free product? Do you want me to pay you? <laughs> what That doesn't mean anything to me. Or people, my least, this is my biggest pet peeve, but people who DM us wanting to do a collab collaboration. And it's like, I have no clue what that means. So I think that that's, there are these like ambiguous terms floating around that for each business means something different for each influencer means something different. So for me, the affiliate program was just being able to wrap my arms around these people who are super dedicated and passionate about the brand. It sounds like you turned it into sort of these layers internally, right? That these people can level up and sort of gamify and fit into this bucket. Oh, well, you know, you define a collab as this. Sounds seems like you would be a great, you know, ambassador. I see that you've already been an evangelist, etc. So you kind of use it as a layering opportunity and also give them the opportunity to go higher up the ranks. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we like to think of it as little buckets. So I have buckets for all these different people that I, I put them into different buckets. And I'm like, okay, like you've tried the product now. This is what your focus is. This is what your goal is. Maybe we want to work with you on this project that we're working on. So just trying to figure out what's the best fit for us and what's going to be the best fit for them. Because if you put someone in a bucket, that's not the best fit for them. They're not going to be successful. I think this is a great lesson for e-commerce founders that are in the early days that are like, you know, trying to find out the exact definition of ambassadors. And they're hearing people telling them about ambassadors and influencers. Look, you can define it yourself, you know, take it upon yourself to decide, you know, what does it take to become an ambassador at my own brand? And, you know, work one-on-one with the creators and put them in those buckets as you wish. There's no you know, right terminology for any of this stuff. Everyone's making it up. Exactly. It's all made up. (laughs) Ariel, one question I'd have is, I know you just mentioned on the other side of it, right? Like if someone's reaching out and being like, hey, I want to do a collab, obviously that's not well thought out. And you're like, what are you talking about? What collab do you mean? But for like, when you're thinking about growing the influencers you're working with and say someone is reaching out and does want to collab, like how, how are you thinking about bringing new creators into that ecosystem? Um, Cause like maybe the person who's reaching out, maybe they genuinely like, like your product. Is this something where you're going to be able to tell just through, they sent you the right personal message. You check out their content. You're like, okay, this is someone we actually do want to work with. And now I'm going to open up that line of communication or how do you think about bringing new people into the fold? Yeah. A lot of the time it is pretty obvious in their first kind of intro message. I think if someone says, if they reach out and they say, Hey, I love your brand. I love your product. You're like, okay, you copied and pasted this. You sent it to 50 other brands just to see who would bite. So for me, it always stands out when someone says, hey, Olipop team, even even that tiny little thing of using the brand's name stands out already. And they say, my favorite flavor is strawberry vanilla. I've been drinking it for a year. I found it originally at the Whole Foods Market in Milburn, New Jersey, and it's my favorite flavor on the planet. I'm going to be like, okay, let's chat. Like, Let's hear more. Let's talk about it. 
if they reach out to us and they say, hey, Olipop has totally transformed my gut health. Like I feel better than I have in years. Hey, Olipop has helped me get rid of vintage cola. And I made this whole video about how I don't drink Coke anymore. And I only drink Olipop vintage cola. It's like, heck yeah, let's do it. Like those people who are passionate about the brand, it's like, it's easy to tell, right? Like I've said this before, but my thing is, you know, you kind of got to seduce the brand. Like if you're truly passionate about working with a brand, like seduce me a little bit, take me out. Like you got to impress me a little bit, flirt with me, like make me feel special, you know? And I think that that's something that's a little bit not appreciated just because there are so many of these like ambassador programs where you can just fill out your email, you get a discount code. What else do you have to do? You don't have to like seduce the brand at all. So I think that that's super important. If you're a creator listening to this and you're reaching out to a brand, like personalize the message, take the time, make the effort, and you'll be way more successful. Yeah, I think the key of that is just authenticity, right? And it's like, I think this is where your experience from CX has to come into the fold because you know when you're in CX and a customer reaches out and gives you like the real deal of like their experience you've been through, you feel that empathy for them and you're like, okay, I know what you're going through. I'm going to make it right. Like I get you, you're real versus a customer reaching out who's like, this is not, they totally made this up and are just trying to like scam me here, right? So I think what you're pointing out is just that idea of authenticity. And when you're able to work with those types of people who took the time and are authentic to your brand, on the flip side of that, you're probably going to get content that is actually genuine, actually meaningful, and it doesn't just feel like a paid ad where you're forcing them to do it. 100%. Authenticity is totally it. That's the word. (laughs) That's the word. That's the word. And then I guess the last question around different affiliate brand PR, et cetera, is I know you've touched on doing some stuff with events, maybe working with different like PR firms, maybe product placements, et cetera. So what does that scope of the role look like? And how do you guys think about developing that portion of your strategy? Yeah. So with events, what I've found to be the best, I mean, there, there are so many different events going on. We've found that if we're not fully producing the event on our team, on our own, it's not going to go as well as we want it to go. So what I try to do, like we do a lot of like event donations and sponsorships, can in hand kind of events. And I really like doing those events. Sometimes we can get really fun content from them. And I like seeing people enjoying the beverage, like in a social setting, like hanging out, drinking it together. So I think that's super fun. I mean, that might just be my team is going to hear this and be like, Ariel, that's not in line with the business goals. But I think it's super fun. I love seeing people enjoying the beverage out in the real world. So what I look for with those kinds of events is product quantity. Is that a quantity that we can fulfill? We've definitely had people be like, I need 3000 cans. And I've had to be like, there's no way. I know the guy who makes Olipop in his kitchen. Like that's not happening. (laughs) We're not at that level yet. And then I also look at like, is this an interesting area that we're focusing on? So for example, if you guys reached out and you were like, Hey, we're having an event in Miami. I'd be like, cool. Miami's a big spot for us right now with our public launch. Like, let's talk about it. Let's see how we can figure it out. So those kinds of like can in hand events, we really enjoy we are definitely working to do more of our own kind of events that we own and we fully sponsor. We're currently working with a really cool artist right now named Jake Scott. And we got the opportunity to wrap his tour bus. 
So he's been driving around the country in his bus with his crew and doing his shows. And we, we have Olipop on the bus and we did VIP events with him before the show, some really cool co-branded merch that we were able to give out. And that was an awesome thing. And I think that that's gone really well just because we got to make a lot of the big decisions and, and really own those events as opposed to kind of letting it be in someone else's hands. Do those events, or not just the events, but those opportunities, right? Are these kind of like, are you guys being really strategic about these? Or are you guys just making, like when the right opportunities come across the table and it makes sense, then you pursue them? Yeah, I think it's a lot. It's a lot about the right opportunity. We have a team of of really scrappy, just kind of go-getters. And so we're strategic to a point. We get everyone's feedback. We get everyone's input. And a lot of the times we're going to say like, let's do this thing. Let's wrap this bus. That's awesome. You know, so we're pretty into it, but you know, we definitely also will walk away if the the opportunity is not going to work out for us. And we have walked away from big opportunities and been like, this isn't going to go the way we want it to go. We already know. I just feel like you, for you guys, it's like, you know, whenever you see an opportunity to put the brand out there, you either go, you know, you can go like, that's an Olipop thing to do, or that's not an Olipop thing to do. And so, you know, the whole company is aligned with that, which is awesome. Yeah, I definitely feel like we all are pretty good about being like, is this on brand? Is this not on brand, but we can make it work? Like, hmm, interesting. So I think that that's something I really appreciate about our team. Even my colleague, Stephen, who I work really closely with, he's definitely like a yes guy. And so I've gotten to learn a lot, a lot from him about like, kind of saying yes to a few more opportunities. I think I'm a little more like, how's this going to go? What's the process? How are we going to do it? How are we going to execute it? And Steven's like, we'll figure that out later. Let's do it. So I think that he and I work really well together and that I get to learn that from him and he gets to learn that from me. So it's really awesome. One last note on that. So a lot of people that work with influencers, I feel like everyone that works with influencers has gotten burned whatever that term means for you, whether they stole your product, they never responded, they did a post that didn't align with you. And so a lot of people, you know, have this story of I've been burned with influencers, I would never do it again, but they're leaving a lot on the table. So how do you overcome, you know, that with such optimism? Uh, Because you can say, you know, the other side of the coin is we can say yes more before you know it, you know, we're small brand, we can't just give out all our inventory etc. But there is opportunity there. Yeah, I think I mean, I guess everyone's definition of being burned is a little bit different. I've definitely sent product to people and to events and not gotten a single tag from it, not gotten a single post from it. You kind of just have to take it in stride, to be honest, and be like, okay, well, that's how the cookie crumbles. I think especially if you're, if you're a smaller brand, and your focus is on gifting, you really can't go into that with any expectations. You know, if you're just sending someone free product, you can't go into sending someone free product. I'll send you a case of soda, but you're required to post. People aren't going to agree to that. And you're not setting up a good expectation from the beginning with that. I think you want people to post the product because they genuinely love the product. You don't want them to post because they feel obligated. And you also aren't going to have a long-term relationship with someone if you say, I'll send you this, but you must do X and Y and Z for free product. I think that that's just not a realistic expectation to have. And I think that sometimes you just have to kind of cut your losses and say like, hey, this might be awesome. Also, something might not come out of it. If you send someone two cases of soda and they don't post it on Instagram, how much does that really affect you? Like you still get to sleep at night. You're okay. 
pick it up, move on. I totally get people who are like, I spent a ton of money on this influencer and nothing came of it. That definitely sucks. But I think that you can look at that and you can say, okay, what did I learn from this? Maybe I shouldn't put all my eggs in one basket next time. Maybe I should spend the same amount of money, but do it across multiple different people. I think there's so many different ways that you can kind of play around with it. And also like, if you have someone who's listening to this and they're like, wait, this girl said some really cool stuff. Like reach out to me. We can talk about it. Let's talk through it. Like, why not? So let's do it. So Ariel, where can people get in touch with you, keep up with you and continue learning about all the things you're doing and all and what Olipop is up to? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Olipop is at Drink Olipop. I can be found on LinkedIn. I have a private Instagram account for my lurking purposes, but I'm on LinkedIn. So feel free to add me there. Send me a message. Um, yeah, I'm super excited about this. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank you for being here. Thanks so much, Ariel. We loved having you on.